0: Everybody's still talking about the coronavirus because the coronavirus has gone not gone away. We talk now a couple of shows and we try to incorporate all this into the big biblical concepts and biblical principles and and the principles of the kingdom of God, which is what we're supposed to be seeking and of course that's going to incorporate what is righteous and uh, a lot of people don't seem to know what is righteous and they don't seem to have much common sense about the kingdom and what the kingdom is all about and so anyway we end up talking about some of these things and trying to help other people understand these things and uh, that's what we've been focusing on for the last couple of weeks Uh, but we always have to bring in what Christ said because that's where the gospel came from It's, it's his words what he said to do and of course, I thought it was interesting, I saw people saying, we're not supposed to be gathering in groups of more than ten. I thought, well, yeah, that's what Christ said. <laughs> that we were supposed to be gathering in groups of ten. Of course, we, as families, would gather in a group of ten, and then those ten groups would gather in groups of ten, and then those groups would gather in groups of ten and that's how the church was able to create an international network of charity overnight. So that by the time Paul stopped his nonsense that the Pharisees were telling them was true, he could start doing what Christ said was true. And that was go around and facilitate that international network of charity. We see a lot of people uh now uh passing laws. We won't go into that right now. We may cover that Uh, and uh, putting executive orders into place and the legislature has finally voted on something that gives away trillions of dollars and of course that may create problems in itself and it actually will but that's not where we should be looking I saw a meme uh, on the internet where somebody had a picture of uh, Patrick Henry giving his speech of give me liberty or give me death, except that's not what they, in the caption was. Give me liberty, or give me $1,200. Because these benefits that are pouring out of the government, who is creating the actual problem, you know, right in real time, they're actually creating the problem. They've, they've, are supposedly forcing everybody to stay home and board up their business and go out of business and, and not earn a paycheck, and so they said, but we'll give you a paycheck, and we'll give you more unemployment, we made you unemployed, but now we will pay you to be unemployed, and of course, they're not paying you anything with their money, they're just going to take money away from somewhere else, and that somewhere else is your children, because they're plunging their country into a vast system of debt. But uh, we're already in that system. They're just kind of putting the finishing touches on us and that nobody can say, well, it's not my fault because it is your fault because you've been going this way for a hundred years. And this way is opposite of what Christ said to do, because you have gathered uh in the case of the United States into uh, 350 million people. That's how you've gathered. And uh, you have chosen kings. You call them presidents and congressmen and senators. But they are the ones who are going to make the law and decide what is good and evil for you. And evidently it suddenly became evil uh, to not have social spacing because of this terrible coronavirus. Well, we've been telling you, those of you who have been keeping up to date, and we just posted our, uh, at Preparing You, we posted the page that we have, I've been putting together uh, doing research and, and getting information from people from all over the world and and putting it into that article. I mean, I could have put tons. There were tons and tons of experts that were saying that this coronavirus was not going to be that lethal, that it was not going to be following this huge pandemic plague that's going to wipe out the earth um, or wipe out large sections of the population. They were saying this. and They had created their models. And their epidemiologists and virologists. And uh, they they spent their life tracking these diseases. As to what they will do. And they were saying it wasn't going to be that big a deal. Uh, yeah, but some people will die. People always die in flu season. People die in the cold season. When we had colds going around in the convalescent home. People were dying. They, like I said, they were. The gurneys of Dead people were lining up in the hallway to get up the ramp and go out and load into the different hearses that were parked out back. Because when you're that old and you have all these compromising health issues and you get a cold, it'll kill you. That's just the way it is. That's life. And if you concentrate like uh, the cases in uh, Washington State... We're all in a convalescent home. It was actually not just a regular convalescent home. It was uh, severe cases, uh, you know, severe care convalescent home. And yeah, I'm not sure exactly which guy brought the coronavirus in, but they had people coming from other countries that actually were on work visas working in the convalescent home, I think, in the kitchen, but I'm not 100% sure. And it spread, What, however it spreads. That's one of the things about this virus. It spreads very easily. But does it kill very easily? You know, I mean, they give you these statistics of 2%, 3%, 4%, 5%, 6% death rate. That's 6% death rate of the people who get very, very sick. That's not 6% of the people who get it. So you're going to have to apply what we call common sense. And, of course, Google tells you that common sense is good sense and sound judgment in practical matters. Well, common sense doesn't seem to be as common as it used to be. Because I see a lot of people not using good sense. Rushing out and getting toilet paper and and all these crazy uh, Actions, there is no shortage of toilet paper. There is no shortage of food. There is no shortage of eggs. All those things are in abundant supply in the United States. Um, Fuel is dropping, but nobody's driving, and now it's going to even drop more. There are problems, but we're not using sound judgment in identifying the problems. And it's because we have faith In things like CNN and MSNBC, ABC, even in the president himself. And the president has faith in his advisors. And the reality is something else is going on. And the information is out there, but people are not seeing it because they're not looking deeply into the problem. And the reason they aren't is because the spirit that dwelleth in them. So what is a person's spirit? Well, again, you can Google that and it'll say that it is a non-physical part of them that is believed to remain alive after their death. Uh, his spirit has left him and all the remains is the shell of his body. Spirit is the courage, determination helps uh, that helps people survive in difficult times to keep their way of life and their belief. So those are the two things that you find immediately in Google when you look up the word spirit, or at least uh, I I think you looked up common spirit and got those as one of the first things that showed up. What else does it say about that? Uh, I, I looked up a few other things, or at least they gave you other options to look at things, and they said, uh, there are different kinds of spirits. Do you have the spirit of God? Do you have the spirit of evil? Do you have the spirit of uh wisdom? Do you have the spirit of courage? Do you have the spirit of uh, uh selfishness? What kind of spirit do you have in you? And of course, if you go back to the Bible, you'll find a Greek word for spirit is pneuma, at least in the New Testament. You know, it has similar meanings uh, to the rosh, which we find in the Hebrew Numa specifically also in the physical world, means your breath. And, of course, God breathed upon the waters, you know, the fluidity of creation, and things were created in life. He breathed into the clay, and Adam was alive. And when Jesus came out of the tomb, he breathed on the apostles and said, receive the Holy Spirit. So, but we're not supposed to breathe on anybody because we might have the coronavirus. <laughs> so, uh, best we, we get the spirit of God in us and not the spirit of fear. Because the coronavirus is not killing that many people. 99% of the people who died in Italy had previous uh, immune compromising, serious health conditions. Fifty over fifty percent had as many as three of these major conditions. What are some of those conditions? Well, we've talked about all that before. I mean, overweight, uh, respiratory problems, uh, lung problems, uh, diabetes, uh, heart problems, uh, hypertension. All these things can contribute to that. There's a few other things that you will do, you might do if you thought you got a flu. That you should not be doing. I'll just touch on them briefly. Uh, there seems to be a great deal of evidence you should not be taking Advil or uh, ibuprofen. And we'll talk more about that later when we talk about some of the things that you can do for better health. Uh, and we're just going to touch on them. Basically, in my opinion, the best thing you can do for your health is do what Christ said. And Christ commanded that I make you sit down in tens, hundreds, and thousands. That the church, the disciples of Christ, who were trained up to be the ministers of His Ecclesia, His Church, make you sit down in tens, hundreds, and thousands. Now, how do they make you do that? Well, they don't. They can't. They can't exercise authority one over the other because He also said they couldn't do that. They they shouldn't be out there twisting your arm, but they shouldn't have to if you love Christ, because it's very clear that Christ wanted you to sit down in that pattern. Before you get any loaves and fishes, before you get the charity that is distributed, the the bread that is divided from house to house, before you get the communion and the Eucharist of Christ, that thanksgiving that helps you out, that is your common welfare, that is your pure religion of Christianity, which is where you should be going. You should be going to the church to take care of all your social welfare. You should not be going to men who exercise authority one over the other. Jesus made that clear. Uh Peter made that clear. Paul made that clear. Because like Peter says, it'll you'll you'll become merchandise, you'll become surety for debt. And you will curse your children. All of that you've done while going to your local churches today that sing songs and tell you that you're a really great guy and that you're saved and Jesus loves you. But they don't tell you what Jesus told you to do. They, matter of fact, there's some of these guys who go around saying, "Oh, you don't have to do anything. You just have to think a thought," because that's what they th- have turned belief into thinking a thought. Belief is what drives your actions, and of course, that that belief in Christ brings the Spirit of Christ, the Holy Spirit, the Comforter, the Guide, who is not blind. Who will show you what to do and what to hear and how to synthesize the information that you're, you're being given by the world and the flesh and the devil. Because all the information you have in your head that comes from the world, you know, comes from the media, comes from the government, comes from the organized system of men, and it comes from the flesh. What you hear, what you see, what you smell what you feel, what you experience. And it also comes from the adversary of God. That's what Satan is, is the adversary of God's way. He wants you to go another way. Christ wanted you to go this way. He says, no, you don't have to go that way. You can go my way. And he is breathing a spirit into you that is controlling your actions. You may think you believe in Jesus, but you may only believe in an image of Jesus which has been created in your mind by all sorts of things. You say, no, but it's the Holy Spirit that is guiding me. Well, how's that working out? Because if that's not working out well, then that may not be the Holy Spirit. I'm just saying. I mean, this is why I, uh, James talks about, you know, looking at what you do, the fruits. That Because if things aren't working out, you may not be listening to the Holy Spirit. You may have listened a little bit, but there's another voice in there disguising itself as the Holy Spirit, and it may be guiding you too. How do you know which one is the one that you should be listening to? And, uh, how do you make sure that it's the Holy Spirit? Well, you want to get closer to the Holy Spirit and farther away from the spirits of the world. And, uh, and somebody was talking about, you know, reading the Bible will bring you closer to God. Maybe. But that's not what the Bible says. Bible says that sacrifice will bring you closer. Now, you, being closer to God doesn't save you. It just gets you closer to God. There are all kinds of people that thought they were closer to God and right at the last days they're telling Jesus, you know, look at all these great things we've done and he's saying, get you from me, I never knew you. They thought they were closer to God. By what they knew and what they did. You can't earn salvation. That is true. This is how the devil tells a lie. He says there's nothing you can do to earn salvation. Absolutely true. That doesn't mean you don't have to do anything. What you do is evidence as to whether you're listening to Christ or not. If you're panicking, if you're afraid, you're probably not listening to Christ. If you're angry you're probably not listening to Christ. If you're selfish, you're probably not listening to Christ. If you will not sit down in the tens, hundreds, and thousands as Christ commanded, even when we show you that he commanded his disciples to make the people sit down in that way, and we show you how the early church was organized in that way, which is the only way that it could have been possible to spread this network of charity across the entire European continent, Within a few years so that Paul could go to Ephesus and Paul could go to uh, uh, Galatia and Corinth and Syria and then back to Jerusalem and to Rome and distribute literally millions and millions of dollars in aid. Amongst Christians. How could he do that? Unless there was already a network. So he knew who to go to. And they knew who to take the supplies to. And they knew who to take the supplies to. So that everybody would be helped out. And they were so united and disciplined in this process of the kingdom. And the righteousness of the kingdom. Because all this distribution was by charity. All the distribution coming down from governments today. And stimulus packages. All that is established by force. That is the antithesis of Christ's way. Christ didn't do it by force. He did it by charity, by love for one another. In a voluntary system of charity. That is what the church was. hundred years ago in America, the church was still doing that. It wasn't quite international. They had become denominationalized. There was, you know, 40,000 different denominations. Maybe back a hundred years ago, there was only 20,000. But we've managed to expound upon our division And, of course, that's what evil wants, is to divide and conquer you. And you've gone along with it with all your denominationalism. But Christ's message was simple. Love one another. And the best way to do that is to sit down in the tens, hundreds, and thousands. So, anyway, another thing they had in Google was the synonyms for spirit. Now, their synonym, this is, this is Google now, I'm not, I'm not quoting the Bible, but I'm giving you the idea that the world wants you to think that the synonym for spirit is character, courage, energy, enthusiasm, essence, heart, uh, humor, excuse me, life. But anyway, these are characteristics showing you the spirit that is dwelling in you are again and we can go back to if you're showing anger if you're showing selfishness if you're showing arrogance and you're showing uh you know your ego and so uh, back to selfishness again in an egotistical way well that's not the spirit of christ so this is how you know them by the fruits of what they are doing because of the fact that what they're doing is giving you a glimpse of the spirit that dwells in them so, anyway, back to, uh got to watch the time here, back to this coronavirus thing. And there's something I posted today. Or actually, I posted it late last night sometime, I don't know, midnight or somewhere around there. <laughs> I don't know. But uh, I, I've known this from the beginning. We've talked to you about it from the beginning that that coronavirus spreads very rapidly. But you can't tell how fast it spreads. I mean, people are, they say, well, look, at you have 60 people in the hospital with severe case of coronavirus. You know, tomorrow you may have uh, 600 and the next day 6,000 and it's just going to travel exponentially and it's just going to overwhelm the system and kill us all. You know, it's terrible, terrible, terrible. But the reality is, is that's, that's false logic. That doesn't make any sense, and it's not based on the earliest evidence of the activities of this virus. And I use that the 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 Princess cruise ship, the Diamond Princess cruise ship, as an example because that was a closed-in environment, and and the analysis is not as thorough as I would have required them to make it. But you have to look at the big picture. You know, even the testing. On that ship, most of the testing you see on that ship was not the real proficient and accurate testing. It was the kind of testing they're using in most of the hospitals, but it it is not really a testing for the RNA factors of the virus. It's just checking debris, RNA debris, through a centrifuge test, and it's uh, kind of slow and very, very inaccurate. I mean, they've come out with studies saying that it's, it could be as much as 80% a positive fails. and uh, I mean, it's wrong 80% of the time when it's looking for positive proof that you have the virus. Because they don't know what RNA they're really looking at. And they don't even know if that 80% fa- <laughs> figure is accurate until... You synthesize the DNA and RNA that is supposedly in this virus, which is very difficult. You can't even see a virus. You can't even see it under a microscope. As a matter of fact, some people say a virus doesn't even exist. Well, our image of the virus may not exist, just like your image of Christ may not exist. This is why people say Christ didn't even exist. is because they have an image of Christ that probably didn't exist. That's made up by religionists. And people who want you to sit in their pews and donate to their income. <laughs> and they're lovers of filthy lucre and everything else. They're creating an image of Christ. But what you want to know is the real image of Christ. Well, it's the same way as what's the real image of a virus. And we're not going to go over it. You can go back and listen to our old programs. I mean, the, just last week. And we had three hours last week and three hours the week before. And they all touched on the virus. We explained a little bit about virus, and none of that's changed. They, you know, they've already patented this virus, or at least their, their, their list of the DNA chemicals of the virus. They've patented it. They're releasing it to everybody. If they didn't, they would be in a lot of trouble. But still, we do not have a test to even look for the antigens of the virus. So we can't tell positively who has had it, and who has not had it, and who is immune, and who is not immune and it's not in their interest to let you know who that is we'll be right back so welcome back to keys of the kingdom so why why wouldn't it be in their interest to let you know that uh, who's been exposed already developed the antigens that that stop this virus how do those antigens even work again a virus is not a bacteria a virus is just DNA and RNA string of material, and you know it may, you know, we have electron microscopes images of it. All those pictures you see on the TV, the big colorful round ball that looks like a uh, a mine World War II mine at sea. <laughs> that that's not necessarily how it looks. That's an artist drawing a virus. Now they have a picture of what they say are viruses. Through an electron microscope, but that's a little bit fabricated these days too. But there is something that is trackable, or seems to be trackable in many cases. It's not very trackable in this case, because we have all kinds of people who haven't had any, you know, uh, Tom Hanks, they went abroad and they came back with it. We know that people were in, uh, Italy, got extremely sick. A particular woman got extremely sick. She was tested. Eventually, supposedly positive, but we know the tests are not accurate. But uh, some of her symptoms were are a little bit different. She actually lost some hearing. But she could have had multiple infections. She may have had the coronavirus, but she may have had some other illnesses at the same time. But she flew back home all the way from Italy to the United States on a plane. Everybody's sharing the same air, touching the same seats. <laughs> yeah, you know, this is going to be devastating because of the fear of the people. You know they're, they 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 stopped flying. A lot of people stopped flying because of the fact that uh, there was nine one one. You know, and they were always afraid that oh my gosh we're going to be hijacked and everything. That was a very isolated event, but they were so afraid that they wouldn't fly anymore. This. The coronavirus, the scare, because I'm going to call it a scare, is going to keep a lot of people from flying. And so the industry is going to be very slow in coming back. And that's going to cause more joblessness. One thing that keeps creeping back into my mind to share with you, if you haven't already figured this out, something else is going on. If they're making such a big deal out of this virus and you say, well, we have to listen to the experts. The experts say, oh, the coronavirus is very dangerous and, and all this stuff. We're going to show you before this show is out that there are all kinds of experts saying it wasn't as dangerous as they say. And it wasn't going to do the things that we were hearing it was going to do. And, of course, it hasn't done those things. And now I'll show you where some of those experts are reversing what they said about the extremity or the danger of this. And then I'll show you how they reverse themselves again within twenty four hours. And I'll tell you probably why. I can only tell you probably why. I don't have I don't can't afford to send investigators out to check these things out. But I I've been around a long time. The reality is is that uh there were all kinds of very credentialed expert Stanford, Oxford, other institutes that focus on this idea of following viruses We're saying it wasn't gonna be that bad. The evidence was that it was gonna be very low damage to people. Now, I tell you if they come out with a forced vaccination, you may see those numbers climb again. (laughs) Especially a forced vaccination untested. I mean, swine flu vaccination. Everybody talks about swine flu in the news and and some people were mentioning that uh you know that this uh whole uh deal about uh, this virus being such a gigantic threat but when we go look at the swine flu we actually see something else in the numbers 2009 the swine flu infected 1.4 billion people around the world and killed 575,000 people that's actually not true Swine flu didn't really kill anybody. Again, it was mostly complications because of other factors in their lives that caused their death. Most flu viruses seldom kill anybody, but it is other factors that come in and cause the death of the person. Their reaction to the presence of the virus, their reaction to inflammation, their reaction to... Uh, and their inability to react because of other compromising situations in them. I would like people to look up, I'll just let you do this yourself, I didn't look it up. How many people had complications from the swine flu vaccination? And by the time the swine flu vaccination came out, although it came out earlier, because they were saying everybody needed to get this, that... by the time it came out, uh, what what was actually happening in the population as far as natural immunity? One of the things they kept saying about this virus was it was a novel virus. People said, oh, it's a novel virus, a novel virus. (laughs) That's about the same way you spell it. But all that means is it's a new virus. How many new viruses are coming out each year? You know why did they build the this gigantic virus storage unit in Wuhan, China? I mean, supposedly Bill Gates and even Obama contributed money to the building of this Wuhan virus institute. Why are all the hospitals around Wuhan uh, got h- huge laboratories for testing for viruses and t- testing in? Much more complicated ways than this uh, uh this test that we see them using that is a centrifugal test where they're just measuring the amount of r n a debris in the body, and where's that debris coming from? It comes from the fact that the body is fighting the presence of whatever this virus is, and it could be that the problem with that test is that r n a material that they're measuring. It could come from all sorts of sources. It may not just be coming from a virus. It could be coming from fungus or bacteria or other complications within the body. They don't know that. They're not identifying the actual virus. That's not the kind of test they have. If you knew how incompetent this test is, the test is, I'm not talking about the people, how inaccurate it is, you would probably become afraid again because you think, They're testing. They know what they're doing. They have white coats and gloves and masks. They're experts. Well, maybe they're experts. Maybe they're not. But anyways, swine flu, what really goes on when all these new flus come into society and to the world and to the population of the world? And why are so many people up in China with these huge elaborate facilities with all kinds of technology. And why are they able to synthesize the, and, and determine the, the this virus's DNA and RNA factors so soon? It's because they've been up there for decades looking for viruses. Why are they looking for viruses in China? I'm not being racist. They're looking for viruses in China. Flu viruses sp- specifically. Because that's where most of them come from. They come from China. Why do they come from China? Is because there's a large section of China that grows lots of pigs and lots of waterfowl and in proximity to each other and then they are consuming the products of those waterfowl and pigs and DNA. In that environment, you can get more mutations from flu viruses. Most flu viruses, they talk about this one coming from bats and Maybe it did, but where did the bats get it originally? Uh, there's a huge amount of flu-type viruses in waterfowl. That That's just scientific fact. That's that's what they've been seeing. This this DNA of what we call viruses is found in waterfowls. Most of that you can't get. You're not going to get the flu from most, you know, waterfowl. But then, of course, then they came up with a bird flu. These are all these mutations that are going on all the time in nature, have been going on all the time in nature for thousands of years and producing what we call disease in this virus form, different than the bacteria form, and has been spreading out in the human population. You have a immune system that can protect you from that. As a matter of fact, your immune system, if it works too hard, your immune system is so powerful, it can actually kill you. That's right. It can actually kill you. So I thought we'd touch on a little bit. I think we have enough time in this segment as to why do people die when they get the flu? They don't really die of the flu. They die of other things. But Because the flu doesn't kill them. It's kind of like rabies. Does rabies kill you? If you get rabies, does that kill you? No, it's not the rabies that kills you. It's the symptoms of the rabies. And there are things you can do to make those symptoms less. And there are things that you can do to make those symptoms worse. The worse those symptoms get, the more likely you are to die. And so that's what all the treatments that they're coming out with is supposedly for the coronavirus. Most of them have to do with slowing down your immune system. They're like immune suppressors because if your immune system goes over time, and there's a number of reasons why it might go over time, uh, it can kill you. So anyway, you know, in, and because this is a SARS uh, v- classified as a SARS virus, it's attacking the respiratory system. That we know that because that's why they call it a SARS virus, and in your respiratory. System, there's at least two types of cells. There's actually more, but there's two types, type one, type two, uh, what they call pneumocytes, which are pneumocyte cells. And in between those, there's a interstitial membrane. And that allows your lungs to flex and open and let air in. And one of those cells is allowing, uh, blood or air to exchange with blood so that you breathe in oxygen and you breathe out carbon dioxide and there's an exchange that takes place and the other one it actually uh, produces surfacants and stuff and you don't need to know all that stuff but basically what they believe and I have to say what they believe but the way they describe it is that uh there are certain proteins on some of these cells and they call them ACE protein stands for a big long word which you won't remember and I can't remember but uh those uh those viruses they attach to those proteins and somehow or other they get the cell to reproduce to replicate the the virus uh in the cell and if it replicates enough of those viruses that cell may die. But you got lots and lots of cells. So it's, it's and right away your body may start to Recognize this, that this is attacking your cells or causing damage to your cells and your body, your natural immune system will do something about that. If too many of the cells die because your immune system is already compromised and it can be compromised by lots of things, then you may get a secondary infection, bacterial infection causing inflammation, parasites in your body may come to where that dead tissue is just like flies come to dead tissue. Anyway, what happens is you have another additional immune response, uh, to fight this infection of all, that is coming about because of all these cells dying. You're still breathing. That's not the problem. But this secondary infection that comes about because of the fact that so many cells die and, and your immune system is not keeping up and so it creates another problem and you get this surge of your body trying to fight this. And the. Uh, alveoli In your body. Begins to fill up with liquid. In this process. And some of those. Flexing membranes may get a little bit stiff. That's why you get this kind of dry cough. And you start developing the pneumonia. And so what happens. Is you can have what. Doctors call it ARDS a lot of times. But it stands for. Acute respiratory distress. syndrome. Uh, symptoms and that's when it, it, it starts really get hard to breathe you know when i had what we believe was the coronavirus here there was one little spot in my lungs i have i'm very immune, not immune compromised but i have damaged lungs since way way down when i was a little kid and that came from funguses and and illnesses down in the bayous of houston texas but anyway, it kept me out of the service, <laughs> but but uh it is always plagued. My lungs are supposedly very weak. I have a big capacity in my lung, but I have a lot of the scar tissue, but anyway, I started getting that tightness in that one spot, and I did things to relieve that if. If things aren't done to relieve that, like suppressing their immune system, and there's a way in which you can slow down your immune system too, and maybe we'll get to talk about that. I mean, you can do it at your house, you don't have to go and get a ventilator shoved down your throat. But anyway, they start saying you're gonna get tired out. Cause it's, it's, you're under labored breathing. And so they, uh, they put you on a ventilator. Well, now, this is not against ventilators, and I'm not telling you not to use a ventilator. You're going to have to make these decisions yourself. But 50% of the people that get on a ventilator die. I mean, that's the t- statistic. So it doesn't mean you get on a ventilator, you're going to save everybody. They're already way down, you know, uh, the road towards uh, serious health and a death-threatening situation. This is why it's so terrible to take their statistics as to how dangerous the virus is by going to the list of people that are extremely sick, showing all kinds of symptoms and saying, well, look at these people got coronavirus and they died and it's like 3% death rate or 5% death rate. The reality is the death rate is far less than what they're saying. And now they're finally coming out and saying it. It's not getting headline news, but it's getting in the news. And one of the chief problems in this is a particular uh, epidemiologist. I want to get to this before the break so that you, you, you get a little hope. That, Cause I just talked about how the things could go wrong. <laughs> I want you to know that uh, what's gone wrong long before those things went wrong is we accepted the word of the wrong expert. Like I say, there were plenty of other experts out there who were saying something quite different, quite less frightening, but they went with the guy with a scary report, and that was Neil Ferguson. And I'm not blaming the guy, just saying he's wrong. He's admitting that he was wrong, although then now he's backtracking on admitting that he was wrong. I assume that somebody came to his house or called him and said, you can't do this. Because we have to do this other thing. You know? But anyway, we'll get into that. I'll let you connect some of the dots. But anyway, he's downgrading his original estimate. And they give you an idea of some of his original estimate. And many of the reasons he gave when he first downgraded his estimate was the same things we've been telling you weeks ago from the beginning. And we were only telling him because experts were saying this. And then we put the, connected the dots of the experts and we were showing you that. Wait a minute, this is this is not a bad thing. This is a good thing. This is, yeah, it's a new virus. We get new viruses every year, and we all get. They go through the 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 pipeline. Some of them are more contagious, less contagious, have greater reactions, less reactions. But the reality is, we get that immunity. I mean, who? How did we get the immunity to the uh, Spanish flu? We got the immunity of the Spanish flu because people have immune systems and they produce that immunity in society. They call it herd immunity. When enough people get immune to a particular disease that is traveling around and you're replicating in your cells, and now your cells aren't going to replicate that anymore, then it doesn't travel around in society. And those few people that are extremely vulnerable will be less likely to get it because there's not so many carriers. How many carriers do you think there are, at least at one time, and not one single time, but how many people in UK, for instance, have carried the virus and possibly spread it to somebody else? Uh, do you have a number on that? Well, anyway, uh, his estimates was that 500,000 estimates in Britain and estimated uh, 20,000 or far Fewer is what he's now predicting. So, uh, we'll die. You know, he was talking about half a million people in the UK die. Well, there's only about 67 million people in the UK. So, half a million die, that's a pretty high death rate of everybody who gets it. But now he's reduced that down to 20,000 uh, or far fewer than 20,000. Well, far fewer than 20,000 is how many? Well, right now, or at least yesterday, 759 dead. And again, these are almost all immune-compromised people people that are very vulnerable. We should have been spending our time isolating those vulnerable people with compromised immune systems. I don't think we should have been doing it through the government. We should have been doing it through our families and through the tens, hundreds, and thousands. And we should be doing things to help improve their immune system. I mean, if there's going to be 300,000 people die in America this year, supposedly from obesity. They're overweight. We should be helping those people not be overweight. Now, if they don't want help, they don't want to, then they're killing themselves. That's suicide. You know, if they get the virus and they die because they're overweight and they ha- they've had years to do something about the fact that they're overweight and they didn't do it. And what do you do when you want to deal with a problem like you're overweight and you did have it? You should be gathering in the tens, hundreds, and thousands and every group of ten, every congregation of ten is your dream team. It is your support group. It, 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 that's That's the people that are going to help you lose weight. And get healthy. And be stronger. That They have an interest in doing that. Your minister has an interest in you getting healthy. And he has an interest in you getting stronger and being more immune to these diseases as they go around. And so if you're immune compromised for whatever reason, maybe you had some sickness or something at one time or an injury your congregation is going to do everything they can to isolate you until everybody develops herd immunity. And then they won't bring the virus to you because they isolated you. But it's all voluntary in the kingdom because the kingdom of God is not just seeking a government of God, but the government of the righteousness of God. They're not going to do this by force. It's by voluntary. I remember we had a neighbor here who got cancer. And he's a heavy, heavy smoker, and a lot of other problems as well. And he had to go in for his chemo, and he took his motorhome down and parked in the hospital parking lot because he wanted to go out and have a cigarette between his chemo. He didn't want to stop smoking, but he wanted to be cured. Well, he's dead. That didn't work out for him. So, anyway, we'll talk more about Ferguson. We'll talk more about uh, a number of other people that uh, have been... uh, Coming out with very new information to the public. It's not getting out to the public in a lot of cases. Uh, most media people aren't really covering it. They're not giving it the fanfare that they gave Neil Ferguson when he was talking. I mean, he was talking a million dead in America. But now he's reduced that number down to a fraction 500,000, half a million, down to 20,000, or far fewer. Why did he lower that number? Now, he gave a reason when he first lowered that number. But then when he started backtracking on his backtracking, then he said, oh, this is only because of spacing. But you remember all the stuff about spacing, you know, social spacing and shutting down business and everything? From the beginning, what were they saying? It was to slow the virus, not stop it. None of that stops it. Now, they're probably going to come out with a vaccine. I guess they already have in Israel and stuff. And they're going to come out with a vaccine. And they say, the vaccine will stop it. Will it? Because, you know, when they came out with a polio vaccine, polio was already dropping. And I, I, I put together a number of things on that polio thing. Well, We have a whole page on vaccines. You can go look it up. And we go through in details. And we have lots of footnotes so you can check what we're saying with the experts But the expert, like the guy who invented the polio vaccine, or at least one of them, Salk, testified in Congress. That most of the cases in the years before he testified of polio were coming from the vaccine. And the reality is, is that they also, because they got better at testing for the antigens in the body, and we can actually find those, you can create a test, that 95% of the people who got polio... Never showed any symptoms. Half of the people who showed symptoms completely recovered with little or no after effects, and most of those after effects disappearing entirely within a short period of time. There was only a small number of people. So if you had 20,000 people that got polio in a given period of time, this is, you know, there wasn't that many, you know, at once or one place or anything, but if you, found that you got 20,000 people that got polio and severe enough that they ended up and it was identified as polio. And they were not real good at identifying that in the early stages. But then you would have to multiply that by what number? If uh, 90% or or 50% of the people were uh, showing no symptoms, we would have to include them in figuring out how many people just got immune to polio. Not just the ones who recovered from severe cases of polio, but the other 95% that got polio and never showed any symptoms. They were also immune. So polio, specifically, we were rapidly going up to herd immunity. Today, this is a statistic that just was put together from the CDC and people who study this. They were—they actually in in one article they were telling how most of the children who got polio got better. It was the older the people got that they got polio and they did not get better. And then there were contributing factors to why they had a polio case that bloomed with severe symptoms. And we can go back to some of those things we talked about, and we'll talk about later in the show. But the reality was is that now most of the people who get polio are children so has the virus changed no what it is is many of the people in the population are immune to polio naturally they've already have an immunity it's all over the place i mean it's been around for hundreds and hundreds of years polio we just didn't have a name for it but they're already immune what's happening is new children the polio virus is new to them so what can we do to stimulate their system so they can get natural immunity too? That's what we should be working on. But there's not much money in that. But anyway, we'll talk to you about some of those things when we return to Keys of the Kingdom. So stay tuned. Matthew 13:11, where Jesus says, And he answered and said unto them, Because it is given unto you to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven. But to them it is not given. I don't know who's listening on the radio. And so I can't give you everything that I could share with you if I knew you were one of those that should receive the information about the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven. Now a lot of it's in our websites and in articles and it's between the lines and uh, thousands of footnotes. And you could maybe put it together with just the Holy Spirit. But sometimes people need help and that's good because that gives us an opportunity to help them. But I'm not supposed to cast pearls to swine. I'm supposed to help those who are helping one another, who are seeking the way of Christ. You don't have a right to the information about Christ just because you're poor. It's because you're repentant. And so you have to turn around and go the other way. And one of the first things you need to do is sit down in the tens, hundreds, and thousands. Everything is on our website's out there for free. All the books you can download for free, they're there already for free but you may not be able to put it together without the grace of God and you may not get the grace of God if you don't start doing what Jesus said and you have to let Christ write upon your heart and your mind and you have to live by faith, hope and charity and not the covetous practice that entangle you again in the yoke of bondage that Peter warns you about and James warns you about and Paul warns you about and Christ warned you about and in truth Moses warns you about so anyway, turning around That's your job. Join the network and we'll share through that network of those who share through that network of sharing. So welcome back to Keys of the Kingdom. So why are we talking about this flu virus so much? Well, it's in the news. And so we want to relate the kingdom of God to you as something that is relevant to this time. It was relevant at the time of Christ. It was relative to the lives of the people when Rome fell. And it was relative to the life of the people when corruption was pervasive throughout Rome. Before it completely fell apart. Before the economy crashed. We see right away in the New Testament there were dearths in the land. These are economic crisis. And then there were famines in the land. These are another problem. There's no famine in America today. (laughs) They're just hoarders. Going into stores, buying more than they need, and depri- with callous disregard for their neighbor. Now, we actually know people out here went and bought extra stuff to share with their neighbor. Because everybody can't get to town. We do- we were doing that already. We got a number of elderly people. We don't want them going to town. Because they're actually vulnerable they're not that much older than me some of them although we have some centenarians 100-year-old people out here uh certainly 90-year-old people uh and we don't want to see them get sick we want to you know care about them so we we bring food to them with limited contact but, uh, and contact with people that are not probably carrying the coronavirus because they've already had it and now they have an immunity. And this is something I haven't done a lot of studying on it, but, you know, when I, I don't just read newspaper articles. I don't just listen to the news or look on Facebook or anything like that. I actually search out the actual studies, the ana- analysis. I could get access to more of them if I spent some more money on it because they cover up a lot of it unless you're a member of a university. But I get enough access so that I can put the dots together. And that's why I wrote that article, uh, covering the coronavirus at preparingyou.com. And you can go there and read it. And we have the footnotes. And footnotes are some of the articles that I did read. And I think, yeah, I even take you back to some of the, uh, actual studies. At least the synopsis of them, you know, because they get rather long when you're looking at all the numbers. But uh, And I put all this together and the way I see things working because God shows me how things work. I apply God's sense to the common information out there. And sure enough, everything we were telling you was going to happen or was happening is now they're admitting is happening. So, yeah, we didn't have 2.2 million people die of the coronavirus, but we had 300 million people kept from going to work because of the the other virus, which is corrupt government. And that corrupt government, corrupt in relationship to the government, you mean like they're not following the Constitution? We have already taken you all the way back and show you how the Constitution is not a biblical document that it violates at least four of the five items that are stated in the Bible that you're supposed to put in the Constitution. They did not put into the Constitution of the United States. I have a whole book that goes right through that, and I don't have anybody refuting it. I have people not liking to hear it, but there it is. You can go read it. It's free online, Contracts, Covenants, and Constitutions, and see for yourself. The one item they did put into it, nobody cares about it anymore. They don't even understand their own constitution. And they are not even staying by their own constitution, both in the states, uh, state constitutions, and the federal constitution. Why? Because they haven't been seeking the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And if we have enough time, we'll get in and show you how that process works. And what we we're telling you, we're talking to you as an, on an individual basis, you want to make sure that... You're not falling prey to the same thing that makes them think it's okay to violate their own oaths and not keep their word to keep their constitutions. Those constitutions were created by men, men swear to abide by the constitution, and then they get the job and they proceed not abiding by that constitution. The problem to us, we we don't have faith in the constitution to begin with, but we do have the faith and making your yeses yes and your noes no. If you don't make your yeses yes and your no no, you open yourself up to disease and, and, and these, uh, storms of problems that will come with that. And, you know, I'm not, I don't walk on water either. Like I said, I, I probably already had the coronavirus. There was another f- uh, flu virus that went around with a different set of, uh, I don't know if it's a flu virus, but anyway, some sort of contagion that went around, and I saw it going. I, I'm in contact with a lot of people in the population through a network, so I don't have to actually go to them. And we saw this thing traveling to our community, and it had the same exact, almost exact symptoms with everybody. It varies a little bit. I got it, but I only had it for 24 hours. I only had it for 24 hours because I did something about it based on what God has been showing me. Everybody else got it for days. and Or they got it a little bit and then they got a relapse and all that stuff. I got it for the the one day. I still have health problems, but like I said, I'm an old guy. So anyway, we're talking about Ferguson going from this ridiculous 500,000 dead to 20,000 or far fewer dead. And... He just says that, but of course, by the time he says that, the economy is already shut down and the damage is being done. Uh, suicide rates, we know now, so I have firsthand information in, in different places where suicide takes place that suicide rates have gone up in those places across the country. I can only imagine that that's actually happening. And then the burden from this shutdown. And trying to recover may cause more. If they allow us to come out of this. Which they evidently seem to still want to keep us from coming out of this. Because they're not telling you what I'm about to tell you. Not only did Ferguson downgrade uh, his estimates. But from the beginning hundreds of epidemiologists and doctors. In Germany and Italy and and they, someone went online to say that this, it, we're, we're going crazy. This is not as severe. Now, I know doctors who went crazy, too, because they just read. They don't read the studies. They don't read the inserts. They think they know already, and they got the message through this channel of information they depend upon that this is really going to be bad, and they were, you know, saying, like, there's going to be a hundred and twenty dead in our county, uh, within a month. Well a month's half over and they're not dead. <laughs> now they'll say, Oh, it's because of the shutdown that we saved these people's lives. The same as when they open back up and you see a few more cases, which is actually when they open back up and they let you get it all back to work, you are going to see an increase in cases of illness. And that's also predicted by the experts. They're saying that actually this shutdown is actually could be doing more damage because their projection is that it will spike even higher. It'll be a sharper spike, but it will spike higher. And that's maybe true, but something else is going on and then we will get to that. But they've been saying that this was an outlandish prediction to begin with. But everybody went with the outlandish prediction. They didn't go with Stanford. They didn't go with these other institutes that we mentioned in the article. Oxford. They didn't go with their prediction. They went with the Ferguson's prediction. Which is obviously now he's saying is not just inaccurate. It's completely out of the ballpark. 500,000 to 20,000. That's... Or far fewer. That's, I love that where he puts in far fewer. Because it could be 10,000. It could be a thousand. A thousand is far fewer than 20,000. So he's still accurate, right? You have to have common sense and listen to what they're saying. But you have to have your ear to the ground and not just to the media. Because they will lead you around like lemmings. We actually have people going around in our community. People we know. Going around in their trucks and spying to make sure everybody's keeping social distancing. You you could walk out my front door and walk for 25 miles before you come to another dwelling. <laughs> we got social distancing. At a local park, uh RV park, which it was not shut down. It's not required by the governor because we have permanent residents. Actually, veterans who are permanent residents. <laughs> A veteran or two, uh, who are permanent residents there have been for months and months and months and months anyway, since way last year. And, uh, they're way better off in their trailer way out here than they would be in the middle of the town because they are vulnerable. They have conditions. But we had somebody come into the park and there were, people could see that there was like, 11, 12, 15 kids run around playing in the park, not keeping a social distancing. And they made a complaint. And for all we know, they might have made a pl- complaint to the government. But the reality was, these people were all in one family. They came in one vehicle. <laughs> it's a big family. I, I think they're, uh, Mennonites or something. At least based on the garb, I didn't go over and talk to them, keeping my social distance. But the reality is, is that, uh, the, this turning in your neighbor based on faulty assumptions that you already know what's going on is really a bad thing. And uh, people should not be doing that. But that's that's one of the big threats. We are so divided. It's not 20,000 denominations or 40,000 denominations. It's, it's uh, 300 million individuals who are looking out for themselves. The kingdom of God should be a million people, two million, ten million people looking out for one another. It's a different spirit. It's a different process. And it needs to be practiced and exercised, which is why Christ commanded that we sit down in the tens, hundreds, and thousands. Home church people like to sit down in the tens, but they're not in the hundreds and thousands. Because they don't network together. And most home churches go to get get together to get that charitable good feeling, but not actually to take care. I mean, the early church, there was lots of welfare, free bread and circuses coming from the government. But the early church took care of all social welfare for Christians. If If anybody wanted to take stuff from the welfare of Rome and the Roman imperial cult, which was what was handing out the bread to their religious institutions. And bread and cheese and wine and money and all kinds of stuff they were handing out. If they wanted that, if they wanted to get their welfare from that, Christians wouldn't do that. They considered that stuff offered to idols. They would not be partakers of it. Today, modern Christians are partakers of it. They pray regularly, daily. To men who exercise authority, one over the other. The That $1,200 I want to give to everybody is from men who exercise authority, one over the other. The reality is, if you were really the church established by Christ, I think a lot of you wouldn't have even gotten st- <laughs> Still, <laughs> Actually, I've had this cough since I was nine years old. It's part of that damage to the scar tissue in my lungs. But I've developed a way of getting... It cleared, so this is actually a good thing. It just, I have this cough from that damage when I was a kid. And, uh, I mean, but I wasn't supposed to even survive that, and here I am over half a century later, and I have survived. And I owe it all to Christ. I owe it all to God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And so I carry that as my affliction, like Paul had his affliction. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but the reality is we if we were doing what Christ said this would not be a threat and we would not have to go to the men who exercised authority one over the other to bail us out of this problem and they could even shut us down and you know like we're actually making the masks for the local hospital we're producing them here uh, we haven't delivered a bunch of them but we probably will the first of this week they're not out yet but This new stimulus package cut our county off terribly. We're we're not getting stuff in this county. Of course, we don't have a single confirmed case because we had no cases in this county that were bad enough to be confirmed by this poor testing. And even to put into the hospital. Because, again, they're just testing... For RNA debris. The quicker you get immune to this, the less RNA debris you'll have. The less symptoms you'll have. Most of the people we have that have symptoms have other conditions that are causing these extreme, uh, symptoms. The reality is, and this is what we were finally getting to, and I quote Professor Sanjay Gupta, uh, as for one source, and also Clive Cookston, a science editor, who on March 24th, uh, 2020, announced in uh, his story, coronavirus may have infected half of UK population. Who says that? Who says it's already infected half of the UK population, which would be 33 million people? Well, it's an Oxford study. It's been out there testing. Not quite as good a test as we had when we eventually found out that ninety five percent of the people who got polio had no symptoms, but it was good, they, their study is now showing that this uh, and this is a new epidemiological uh model by experts that suggests the vast majority of people suffer little or no illness from the infection, which means if you got 33 million people who have already had the infection and are now immune, you're almost to herd immunity, which is only, there's different figures, but basically they believe that if you get to 60%, you've got herd immunity. And so 60% is almost just a little bit more than half, and they may be there already. You will still see the disease going around. It will still hit some of those. But you're not going to have the pandemic 500,000 dead predicted by Ferguson. It's just not going to be there. Now, other things could come about. And again, when you go back to the salt vaccine, when he's saying that almost all the cases, even the CDC. I've read the studies right out of the CDC that said that almost all. Actually, I think in one case they said all the uh, cases of polio in the Congo were from the vaccine. Almost all the cases of polio in Syria were from the vaccine. Now, you do have some children who are not unvaccinated who show symptoms of polio in a lot of these places because a lot of those children don't have immunity because the virus is new to them. It's been around, but it's new to them. But also because of dietary issues, other health issues, uh, that they get sick. And there's a lot of things you can do to change. You you have control over that to some degree. Some of these poorer places, they don't have much control over it. You know, they may have worms. They may have all kinds of other problems. Bad drinking water. They're drinking out of ditches. And they get polio. Well, if you stop drinking out of ditches because you put in wells and stuff like that, which many groups have done... Christian groups have done, then they're less likely to get that infection. They're le- they're less likely to be injured. But there are a lot of things you can do. A lot of them have high-carbohydrate diets. You know, like you eat a slice of bread, that's like five spoonfuls of sugar as far as carbs are concerned because those, bre- those bread carbs are going to be broken down in your body into sugars. It's not refined sugars, but it's still sugars because carbs are just complex carbohydrates, sugars broke down more. Sugar feeds a lot of things in your body and it can actually get things in your body so that they are not reacting. If we go back to that Advil, Isoprofen, and I I don't have, a number of doctors have come out and said that they have discovered that people who take Advil before they come into the hospital and Ibuprofen, They seem to have a lot more trouble. People who have not taken those things don't seem to have as much trouble with this virus. Why would that be? Well, there's enzyme inhibitors in Advil and and some of these other drugs. And enzymes, uh, healthy enzymes, are really important in your body to deal with these things we call a viral infection. So if we're creating an imbalance, you know, by taking Advil and some of these other things, which are, that's what they're trying to do. They're trying to inhibit productions in your body of enzymes. And they're not very selective. So they could inhibit enzymes you need, and that makes you more vulnerable to something else. It may solve your headache problem, but it may, or your pain problem. The thing is, what you want to understand is what is a balance, what what you put into your body. Christ says, it's not what you put into your body that defiles you, but what comes out. And the reality is, is that you're going to be listening to blind guides. And you're not going to have the common sense of the Holy Spirit. If you're not doing what you know the Holy Spirit is telling you to do. If you're not following the way that Christ said to go, then you are going to stumble in the way you have chosen for yourself. And you are following after the gods which you have chosen, the ruling judges. That's what gods mean, both in the Old Testament and the New Testament. Elohim and Theos means ruling judges. You are following the ruling judges that say it's okay to covet your neighbor's goods, in order to survive the plague, or the economy crash, or the dearth in the land. But Christ said it's not okay to covet. Moses said it was not okay to covet your neighbor's goods. He said that you were to live by love. And if you wanted to come near him, you needed Corbin. Sacrifice, that's what Corbin comes from, the word meaning sacrifice. Sacrifice. You need to be laying down your life for your fellow man. Laying down your time. Laying down your energy. That's why we go to church. That's why we gather with the Ecclesia. To lay down our lives for our fellow man. And we get to choose how we do that. And hopefully we pray to the Holy Spirit that shows us how to do that. In a righteous way. And that will open up your mind... Open up your soul because spirit and soul are not the same. They're connected, but they're not the same. Your soul the word that they translate into soul is also translated in mind, into mind. So but and sometimes they play around and you see the word spirit pop up where it actually isn't the word spirit in translations. But the spirit of God should be guiding your mind. That's why he says, I shall write my laws upon their hearts and upon their minds. But their laws are now being written in the high seats of their governments. Because they have elected lawmakers. They have chosen lawmakers to rule over them and tell them you can't come out of your house for 14 days. You can't go to work for 14 days. Because there's this virus that's going to kill you by millions. If you come out of your house, so everybody hides in their house. But the reality is, is according to the experts, and, and we may find this out. I mean, we found it out with that by the time they came out with the salt vaccine, most people were already getting immune to polio, because ninety-five percent were were walking around with polio, and. They weren't sick. They had no symptoms. They didn't even know they had polio. But they got lifetime immunity. And so, is that what, the, that's what happened with the Spanish flu? That's what happens with almost all the flus that they don't develop a vaccine for. We just get immune. And like I said in a show a couple of weeks back, a virus is like a lie. <laughs> It cannot replicate itself. It cannot reproduce itself. It has to get into a host and be reproduced by it. And what they did was they infected your mind with fear. And then you reproduce that fear in your own communities, in your own societies, in your own countries. Because you're you're not able to connect the dots. You're not able to even see the dots. Because your eyes are glazed over with fear. And there are some people who say, oh, we don't fear, we trust in God. But they don't do what God says. So those people who say we're trusting in God, they may be, now I'm not saying all, but many of them may be the ones that Jesus says, get ye from me, ye workers of iniquity. Because they're still going to the men who exercise. You hear these people say, we just trust in God and do what the government tells us. That's not what Christ said. Christ said, you know, Christ came with a government. You know, and you know, if you you want to say, oh, he says obey the government and all this stuff like Romans 13 and, and Peter and, and you no, know, go read our website. We show you what these original words said and what it really means and we're not trying to denominationalize you to follow this preacher or that preacher. We want you to be led by the Holy Spirit. We don't want you to be following me either. We want you to be following that Holy Spirit so that you can recognize the truth. That you, the closer you get to that Holy Spirit, which comes through sacrifice, sacrificing of your vanity, your pride, you're not subject to great swelling words that promise you liberty, but deliver you into bondage. You won't be listening to those great swelling words that deliver you into bondage. You will be listening to the Holy Spirit, and so i'm I'm telling you if you if you follow the way that Christ said that we have to go, you'll be way better off you'll you'll be led by the Holy Spirit and to the Holy Spirit, and many of you who think you are listening to the Holy Spirit now. It's not always the Holy Spirit. You have to get closer. And the way you get closer is to walk in the way of Christ. And Christ came to sacrifice himself. When we gather, we should be gathering to sacrifice ourselves for others. So, above all, I want you to all be healthy. And you can go read the article. There's lots and lots of information in there. There's probably lots of typos in there. Because I have to do a lot of this in the middle of the night. (laughs) And you know, I try to read stuff during the day. I can. I now use my smartphone, but I want you to join us, and we'll talk more. So, welcome back to Keys of the Kingdom. So, where are we at, and what can we do? Well, right now we're supposedly in lockdown in many of the states, completely unnecessary, and that's according to experts. Many experts. We quote just a couple of them. On, uh, our article at Preparing You and you can go read them and see who they are and go look at the footnotes and, and you can do your own search and try to find other experts that are saying this, that and the other thing that is often different than what we're getting down to the major media. I mean, the media has a tremendous power over the minds of the people and, and that's why a lot of people are going around, uh, saying the things that they're saying and doing the things that they're doing. Same thing, you have to realize that uh, the modern church is the media of the church. And they're going around saying, you know, like Romans 13 means this. And we show you that Romans 13 doesn't mean what 80% of the churches say it means. And you know how we can say that? Because we actually looked up the definition of the word that are in that text. And they are not the word that they're translating it into. That's in some cases there are many different translations. It could be. But the word they translate as power or government, they trans literally translate it government in in some Bibles. Uh you know, it says let every man remain subject to the government. But that's not what the word meant at that time. And we show you, we quote People speaking Koine Greek, writing in Koine Greek, writing in Greek hundreds of years before, hundreds of years afterwards, that word meant liberty. And even in the concordance it says that word means the right to choose. How does the right to choose translate into the word government? It should translate into liberty. And in the Bible, even in the King James, it does translate into government. I mean into liberty. In some verses. So is the translation of the word into power wrong? No, it's not. Because there's two translations going on when you read that power. One is they've translated the word that means liberty or right to choose into power. And then in your mind, when you read the word power, you think of government. So you think they're talking about the government. But what Paul is really saying is let every man remain subject to the higher liberty. Because all liberty is of God. Isn't all liberty of God? Isn't that what we say? We're, we're endowed by our God with certain inalienable rights. That's the liberty to choose. The right to choose. It's, it's endowed by God. God gives you the right to choose. Government doesn't give you the right to choose. Why would you think that word means government? Well, maybe you have got a relationship with the government where the government is what gives you the right to choose. They are saying you can't come out of your house. You can't travel down the roads. You can't go to work. They've made that choice for you. The gods of the world have spoken. And you're not doing it. Now, we're complying Of course, we live out in the middle of nowhere anyway, and most of our work involves tending animals or doing research for these programs and making these recordings for you so that you will see that there is another way rather than the way of tyranny. There's the way of righteousness. So, yeah, let every man remain subject to the higher right to choose. Because the right to choose is of God. And anyone who opposes the right to choose opposes God. Somebody who opposes your right to choose, takes away your right to choose, wants to take away your right to choose, is anti-God. It is anti-Christ. That's right. It's anti-Christ. Because Christ wants to give you the right to choose. But if you sell your right to choose... You know, you say, give me liberty or give me (laughs) $1,200. Give me health care. Give me Medicare. Give me free education at the expense of my neighbor. At the expense of my neighbor's children. Because I know the government is borrowing money to give me all these benefits. We know that. This $2 trillion package is borrowing against the future of your children. That's... Be not a borrower, lender, be... (laughs) You know, keep the Sabbath. Work, earn what you have. Don't take what you want and have to work tomorrow for somebody else. Work first. This is the message of the Sabbath. Do the work first. Earn what you get. Don't go into debt. If you're in debt, you're not keeping the Sabbath. Don't no count I care how many times you count to seven or where you start counting to seven. If you're in debt. And everybody in just about who is a part of the world, who have signed up for the benefits of the world, they're in debt. Where's your salvation? Dishonor the debt? No. You have to give to Caesar what is Caesar's. But there's another way to go. And this is what Christ was showing people. And they marveled at it when they understood it. Most of the people of today who go to church, they're not being told it. And we were told that this would happen. Many We'd be led away. I can't do anything about that. All I can do is speak the truth so that you say, I want to go the way of righteousness. That's what we're supposed to be doing. Seeking the kingdom. That seeking is walking down that way. Trying to find that way to the kingdom of God, which operates by faith, hope, and charity, rather than the kingdoms of the world that operate by fealty, force, and fear. And they actually get your neighbors so afraid they will turn you in if you stand too close to somebody else. What will they turn you in for tomorrow? Where are we going with this $2 trillion debt? What else has gone on? And we point out they've, they're changing the laws of banking. There's no more reserve in the banking. They've done away with that. Uh, you can be, We know with the Patriot Act that they you could be arrested for suspicion. Uh, where they actually now have said because of the coronavirus we have to do this because of the coronavirus this invisible thing you can't even see under a microscope that you think is going to kill 500,000 people in Great Britain or less <laughs> maybe less than a thousand I mean right now we're at 759 or yesterday and oh, how high is that going to go and then again none of those people died of the virus they died of complications and other ailments. Like I say, I mean, just just the common cold that would give you the sniffles will kill an elderly person in a convalescent home. Like I said, when I worked in convalescent homes every day, it was a strain to keep these young workers from coming to work with a cold. And so it's only a cold. You're going to kill the people you're trying to take care of. You have to go home. But I need the money. You know, you have to go home. Because, but even even the people who ran the homes didn't always send them home because they didn't want to be sure the help. And the gurneys would line up in the hallway. I was right by the door. They would all go out. That's where I worked. And I would see them taking out patient after patient. Most of them came from what we called the third floor, which was the ser- most serious cases. But anyway, This is the way it works. You need to find the way of the kingdom and seek that. And that seeking is walking in the way of Christ. Seeking righteousness in everything you do. There's no way you can take care of one another in a society of 100 million or 300 million people or 67 million people. Unless you gather in the tens, hundreds and thousands. There's no way you can do that through charity, through faith and hope without gathering in those tens hundreds and thousands no practical way i mean it could be the nine <laughs> the 90 nine and the, it but small groups intimate groups that's your dream team that's your group and it encourages one another but then you have to connect equally with 10 other or nine other groups like yourself that have the same motivation of living by faith, open charity, of following the ways of Christ, of seeking the righteousness of God. That that is your goal. The tool is the network that Christ said to create this. Sit down in this network. That's what that's what he's saying. Moses said the same thing. Jethro said, "Use that network even for your judicial system." But now the judicial system of the world says we can delay your trial a year or more even after the virus crisis is over. That's what the, that's, that's the law. That's, that's come down from the gods of the world, the ruling judges, who are the lawmakers. The, it's not God who's your lawmaker today. It's the men you have elected for yourself. That's the lawmakers you're gonna to have to deal with. Now you can't get out of that system by being mad at it or angry at it or afraid of it. You have to think differently. You have to repent. You have to seek the kingdom of God and start laying down your life daily for one another. For righteous in a righteous way that helps one another. And like I said, there's no way I can imagine. I know if you can find another way other than the tens, hundreds, and thousands, let me know. And but I haven't found it. And Christ said to do it that way, so I'm I'm good. You know, you don't don't need to argue it anymore, as far as I'm concerned. But if you got think you got something else, uh, I'll take a look at it. But I'm not going to turn my back on Christ. I'm going to go. The way he said to go. Are you going that way or are you just doing your own thing because you think you love Jesus? If you love him, you would keep his commandments. And he commanded us to do that. So what can you do for your personal health? If you join the network, I'm sure there are all kinds of people on the network. I know there are people on the network who will come up with all kinds of ideas. Some of them will be good for you. Some of them will not be good for you. You know, like, uh, you know, juicing diets, keto diets, uh, just good diets. Get away from fast food, processed food, MSG, uh, GMOs, all these initial things that are, you know, uh, FBI, uh, no, no I'm just kidding about BATF, all these, uh, we have all these initials and anagrams. But what you need to do is seek, uh, the C-O-G, or the K-O-G, <laughs> the Kingdom of God. Uh, and you can read the C-O-G, which is the Covenants of the Gods, which is a book we have free online that show you how you have been making covenants with these institutions of the world that have the God's many. And you've been doing it either out of ignorance or out of a desire for the wages of unrighteousness. All these are articles that we have had and explained what it meant in the bible when they talk about the wages of unrighteousness what it means when it says let every man remain subject to the higher power the higher power of choice what it what it means when it says obey the government uh those who are uh you know despise dominion despise government they say what's the actual word there how is it normally translated because by shifting You know, putting a little bit different word there, you can shift people's thinking in a different direction. Just the same as they panicked you by showing you one computer model of the progression of the virus that did not take into consideration the fact that most people have little or no symptoms when they get this virus and they will become immune. Not because the government makes them immune with a vaccination, but because God makes them immune with the body he has created for you. But if you want to continue to abuse your body with poor diet, lack of exercise, self-indulgence, then you're going to be in a world of hurt. You're going to have to go to the gods of the world because God can't help you. You know, this, this is what, if you go to our article, I should have all these articles saved up so you can just pop them up and, and see them. Uh, but, uh, we have an article, God's Many, in, uh, Preparing You. And we have the quotes there. You can share these with other people on social media. I was hearing somebody was talking about all the different social medias they're on. Uh, Twitter. I try to get on Twitter, I just, I have a Twitter account, but I just can't use it. I just don't. I just don't come up with that, uh, that system. But there's all these others that are coming up. And if we were forming a network, everybody who is good at this or that—and there's some of you who are better at that—networking could be sharing these articles. And you look under the pictures and under the videos that we have there at Preparing You, and at His Holy Church. We don't have a lot of videos on His Holy Church; there are a few, but they're all on Preparing You too. But, uh, if you read judges ten fourteen he says, "Go and cry unto the gods which ye have chosen with that power that God gave you, that free will that God gave you. let them deliver you in the time of your tribulation, and that's what people are doing you know listen to the government, have faith in God, but listen to the government." God is saying, go and cry unto those people you have chosen to rule over you and rule over your neighbor so that you can get benefits at the expense of your neighbor. And you have become so accustomed to living at the expense of your neighbor and by the property of your neighbor. Property tax is what gives you the free school. So, you're you're so used to that idea that you think it's okay. But thou shalt not covet Anything that is thy neighbor's is the law of God. It's not the law of the Pharisees, it's the law of God. The Pharisees actually started coveting their neighbor's goods and created a system of Corbin, a system of welfare, a system of sacrifice to provide that welfare that was forced offerings. We did the same thing back almost 100 years ago with Social Security. We didn't force people to get a social security number. You didn't have to get it. You really don't have to get it now. But if you got it, once you got it, you become a surety for debt. And you can't just throw it out. Once you've taken, you call no man father. Go read our article on father at preparing you and at his holy church. And the recordings that we have that explain who the fathers of the earth are. And who do you pray to for your daily bread? Do you really go to church to pray to your for your daily bread? Is your daily bread rightly divided from house to house, as the Bible was doing in the New Testament, by the church, by the called out ministers who are not a part of the world? Or is most of your daily bread coming from the world within you know, we just got millions of people off of food stamps, and now we're putting them right back on. Now, there are men who think that there I mean there's actually I won't go into the details, but there are people trying to do away with the Federal Reserve, another thing that we created, you know more than a hundred years ago. and it's led to lots of other things. See, that's the deal is that you do not live in a vacuum. You create a federal reserve, you create a social security system, you create a public school system. we did that. you know, even you know 100, 100 years ago almost half of the people were not educated in public education and most of the public education was privately funded. Now, that's right. That's the way it was in 1910. Actually, wasn't it wasn't until 1910 that more than half of the people were educated in public schools. Yet, we had the most educated population probably in the world, uh, in America. But now, the education that people have gotten makes them, well, I don't remember where we're rated, we're, we're way down in th- their own terms in the intelligence of our children as far as knowledge. You know, we're, we're doing extremely poorly. And you can see that by the interviews on the streets. And the kids know nothing of history. They certainly don't know anything of how bacteria and virus and disease or health works. They don't know what to eat and how to eat it. That, that, and there's so much to learn, you can't cover it in a radio program. There's a lot out there, but you need to find people you trust, and the people you should trust are the people who are willing to lay down their lives for you. Not the people who have got some money to make or some pride thing to push. That's not, that's not what you want to be looking to, or power. You've created offices of power. Now men who seek power seek office. Now they're fighting for the rulership of the United States and the rulership of the world. And you're caught in the middle and you think, what can I do about it? Well, repent. Think differently. And seek the kingdom of God and His righteousness. Your body is composed of millions of cells. Billions. Most of the cells in your body According to some, I don't know if that's actually accurate, it doesn't seem like it could be, but it could be because a lot of them are very small bacteria. That's not even you, that's bacteria. But that bacteria is necessary for you to live. Did you know that they know, this is what scientists, experts say, <laughs> that some viruses are absolutely essential to sustain certain creatures to live. Are the viruses that they're seeing in these electron microscope, are they the problem? What about the antigens What that we say that are battling against these viruses? You know, we don't actually see these battles taking place. This is all theory. But can your association with people who have the antigen pass the antigen on to you? So that when you first see the virus enter into you that is supposed to be so dangerous, you already have the antigen. Well, we know mothers can pass on antigens and and immunities to their children through their milk. But could we do it through a handshake? I mean, it says greet one another with a kiss. Well, if you kiss somebody... (laughs) If you touch somebody, are those antigens on your skin the same as the viruses on your skin? And can you pick up the antigen and the antigen you know, from somebody else and that protects you from the virus? So the more you associate with people that have already gotten better, the less likely you will be to get sick. It, it, that's a process that is very likely taking place. And, and, but they're not going to tell you about that because they want to, you to think the only way you can get the antigens is from the vaccine but the vaccine doesn't have the antigens the vaccine is has the disease and they're going to put the disease in you and try to stimulate your body to produce the antigens but you could have maybe done that just by associating with people who already have the antigens so anyway so let's go back to that thing I said before we run completely out of time that that this uh, virus or this uh, this supposed threat that is, is coming to us is like a lie because see it's pretending to be a part of you and getting you to reproduce it that's the theory and It cannot reproduce itself. It needs you to reproduce it and then you pass it on to the next guy. Now, God has a system built into you to create these antigens to stop it from doing that. And if you give yourself the right minerals and the right uh, sustenance and the right uh, elements, you can protect yourself from picking up these antigens because you have the natural enzymes and everything to fight this. Already in your system. And to develop that which you need to fight it in your system. In other words, you also have the truth in you. But you have to listen to the truth. You have to activate the truth. And you activate the truth by letting God write upon your hearts and upon your minds. Which is we call repentance. Thinking a different way. So now you have the truth. And you still have the virus. You still have the virus, which is the lie. So you have the truth and the lie in you. You can have the virus and the antigen in you. And you can be well. And eventually the virus will die. Viruses, actually, like I say, they don't really live. But they become unviable. They have have no effect. They will break down and just become debris. That's what the truth does. It breaks down the lie and it has no effect on you. The lie has no effect. It doesn't make you afraid. It doesn't make you greedy. It doesn't make you envious. All these things that we equate with the evil of the world. Because it has no place in you to live because you're full of the truth. But the truth is not something that dwells in your head. It has to also dwell in your heart. That's why he wants to, he doesn't just want to write on your mind, he wants to write on your heart and your mind. He wants his character embedded like code in your heart and in your mind. In order to do that, you have to seek, you have to persevere, you have to practice and that is where you need to be going. And the best way to do that is to gather in a network of people who want to go the same place in the tens, hundreds, and thousands. And that's what you can do by going to preparing you and joining the network in your area. And start meeting up and start working out your salvation with fear and trembling of God rather than fear and trembling of the world. And you better do it quick. Until then, peace on your house and may God be with you. God bless.